my mic on this morning. Wow. It's a good day. <laughs> Please pray with me and for me from the words of Psalm 19. May the words of my mouth and the words of I've been meditating on be pleasing to you, my Lord, my rock, my redeemer. Amen. Well, this morning, I want to say that I love you. I love you even if I don't know you. I love you and I want you to have joy to the max. Joy to the full. The joy of Christ living in you. I say this because I've experienced joylessness in the church, in my family, and personally. This sermon is about good news. You won't believe it at first, but bear with me. Here is the main point, and I'm going to say this five times, so Dan Wolf owes me a meal. When we ignore our sin and emotional pain, we live in it. We live in sin and emotional pain. However, when we face our sin and pain with Jesus the Christ, He frees us from that bondage. And He fills our heart with love, joy, Mike read from Romans 7. I'm not going to go there, except I'll read one verse. Verse 18. Paul is saying, For I know nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh, that is in my sin nature, that is in my human nature. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. Paul is saying, I'm a sinner, and I'm powerless to do anything about it, and I'm crying out to you, Lord, who will free me from this bondage? Well, that's us. That's you. That's me. Sin comes to us in three ways. Sin can be passed down the family lines. I've seen fear and anxiety passed down through the lines. I've seen depression passed down. I've seen addictive behavior passed down through the family lines. That's me. My grandfather exhibited addictive behavior. He had five grandsons and we all, I'm one of those, we all fight with addictive behavior. The other four grandsons are all dead. And most of them died in their 40s and 50s. Cirrhosis of the liver and heart disease. Because we were foodaholics and alcoholics. So sin 
can be passed down the family line. I'm here today. I ask the Lord, why am I here? Why all? Why am I here? And I heard very loud and clear, your mother was praying for you. But I still have that addictive behavior within me. Sin also can be done to us by others. I prayed for a lady from Virginia who was 70 years old. She shared with me that she was sexually abused when she was eight. And she carried the shame and pain and fear and lying from the truth for 62 years. Wow. What a burden to care. Jesus has a whole lot more for us than that. So sin can be passed down. Sin can be done to us. And, of course, our sin. All we have to do is look at the Ten Commandments. I can find that I've, I've broken them all. Not that I'm proud of it. So we have three ways that sin comes at us. So what do we do? Or what should I say? Um, what happens when we sin? And I'm going to go to Genesis so we see what happens when we sin. And we're all sinners. So this happens to all of us. All of us. Including Moi. In Genesis 25, I'm sorry, Genesis 2.25, we see that the man and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. No shame. They were innocent. They were trust. There was trustworthy. Trustworthiness. There was no evil present. But after the fall in Genesis 3, we see that Adam and Eve, it says in verse 7, at the moment their eyes were open, they suddenly felt shame. So they sewed fig, fig leaves together and covered themselves. But they heard God walking in the garden. So they hid from the Lord among the trees. And God calls out to them, where are you? Adam replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. Brothers and sisters, we have to know what we're like. We can't close our eyes to that fact that when we sin, there's shame within us. Now that shame may be subtle. Satan whispering, you're no good. You're a mistake. That's what shame says. You're no good. You're a mistake. You're not worthy for God's presence. Wow. And so it could be subtle, or it could be obvious like the lady from Virginia. She was crying out, full of shame. The bad news, brothers and sisters, is not that we're sinners. 
The bad news is that we ignore our sin and we think we're okay. I'm all right. When we ignore our sin and emotional pain, we live in sin and pain. However, when we face our sin and pain with Jesus, He frees us from bondage and He gives us and He fills us with His love and His joy and His peace. I pray for a guy from Tennessee once that his mother told him almost every day of his life when he was a young kid, I hate you. I wish you never would have been born. He was full of shame when he came for prayer. He was an accountant from Tennessee, 40 years old, and Jesus came upon him that day and started to heal him. His body was eaten up on itself. And the doctors couldn't figure out why. It was because he had so much shame, so un- much unworthiness in him. There's no joy in that at all. Jesus doesn't have that for us. When we ignore our sin and pain, we live in sin and pain. However, when we face it, he frees us from the bondage and gives us life and joy and peace. Well, what do we do with this shame and fear? Well, we can medicate it with Jesus. Or we can turn to activity, substance, or someone to help us feel good. And that could be shopping, food, gambling, pornography, Video games, drugs, alcohol, people, they all alter our mood. They lift up our depression, take away our pain and loneliness, our shame. If they provide some self-worth, at least for a while, it's temporary. These substitutes for Jesus can become an addiction. Addictions cover up and mask our shame and fear. I like what Dr. Gerald May, how he defines, excuse me, how he defines addiction. Addiction is a craving for something or someone that can lead to a compulsive behavior. Can't quit. Can't stop it. Powerlessness, bondage. Addictions destroy our freedom, our dignity, and our relationships with God. Addiction often leads to divorce, abandonment, and loneliness. That happened to my family. The four other grandsons were all divorced, all caused heartache in the family because of their addiction. They couldn't quit. And I didn't realize what was going on. If I would have known better, maybe I could have helped. I don't know. But it saddens me that we live a life of sorrow and shame. When we ignore our sin and pain, 
we live in it. And we face it with Jesus. He sets us free from bondage and pours out His love into our hearts, His peace and His joy. Let's turn to 902 in our Pew Bibles. 902 was the Gospel of John that Mike read this morning. John 16, looking at verse 7. God provides a way out for us. He, know, he, he knew that we would suffer with shame and guilt and fear and want to hide and not share with Him, not be vulnerable with God. You see, in John 16, 7, Jesus says, it's to your advantage that I go away. Jesus, I'm going back to the Father, and it's to your advantage that I go away. Because if I don't go away, the helper, the comforter, the paraclete, and he's talking about the Holy Spirit, will not come. The paraclete, the Holy Spirit, is the one that comes alongside. I read an article five years ago. A pilot on a single-engine small aircraft took off with a friend of his. And as they got to the required altitude and he radioed and everything else, the pilot had a heart attack. And so the passenger, not knowing what to do except that he watched the pilot radio, radioed and told him of his dilemma. Well, there was a pilot on the ground who gave him some guidelines, then took off and flew and came alongside of him and guided him down to a safe landing. The Holy Spirit wants to guide you to a safe landing. He loves you so much that He wants to expose your sin. Now, that doesn't sound like an advantage, does it? <laughs> but it is. Let's read on. It's to your advantage that I go away. So the Holy Spirit will come. In verse 8, when He comes, He will convict the world concerning sin. And when you look at the Greek for the word convict, it means expose. The Holy Spirit wants to expose your sin and my sin. Why? Why is that? What's going on there? Let's read on. Verse 9. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Jesus is saying, I want the Holy Spirit to expose your sin so that you will believe in me. Brothers and sisters in Christ, unless we know and we believe we are sinners, we don't need a Savior. That's what Jesus is saying in that text. I want the Holy Spirit to expose your sin so that you know you're a sin. You can face your sin head on. Ask Jesus for forgiveness. You will know you need a Savior. When we ignore our sin, you get tired of hearing that? When, you, when we ignore our sin and pain, we live in sin and pain. However, when we face our sin and pain with Jesus, He frees us 
He frees us from the bondage, and He gives us life and joy and peace. Well, what do we do about this? Jesus is saying, and Scripture says, that the Holy Spirit dwells within us. So we can ignore Him. He is the forgotten God. We can ignore Him, or we can use Him to help us, to guide us to all truth. I like what it says in Galatians 5. The Holy Spirit lives in us so that we live in the Spirit. We can walk in the Spirit. And it says also in Galatians 5 that the desires of our sinful nature oppose the desires of the Spirit. Satan wants you to live in shame and fear, my brothers and sisters. And just because we confess our sin, I want you to hear this too, doesn't mean we don't have shame. I'm going to give you a mathematical formula being an engineer. Shame is inversely proportional to the appropriation of forgiveness. Let me explain that. If we know in our hearts when we confess our sins and ask God forgiveness that we are forgiven, we know it and we know that we know that we know that we are forgiven, and we forgive ourselves, we bear a little shame. But even if we ask God for forgiveness and we don't really believe it, we still have shame in us. And we don't forgive ourselves, we still have shame in us. <clears throat> so what do we do? Well, I think Paul made it pretty clear that he was a sinner. He tells us in Galatians 5, walk with the Holy Spirit. Don't ignore Him. Ask the Holy Spirit to expose your sin and your shame, and your pain. Walk with Him. Sit with Him. Sit and listen to Him. The Holy Spirit's a He. It's a Him. It's not a It. As Mike said in his sermon a few weeks ago. So we want to sit with the Holy Spirit and ask Him to expose our sin and emotional pain of the past. So we can be cut free. So we can live a life of joy. Hallelujah. <laughs> That's good news. See, it's not bad news to know we're sinners because we're all sinners. It's bad news to ignore our sin and live in it. And it's hard. I struggle with that too but I pray that we will all have discipline in that, in that realm. So that's our first step, is to keep in step with the Holy Spirit, to ask Him to expose our sin, to ask Him for forgiveness. It says in verse, that he will, uh, verse 7 that He will also convict us of righteousness. See, the king of righteousness is Jesus the Christ. 
It says in 2 Corinthians 5, 21, God chose him who had no sin. Who's that? That's Jesus. God chose him who had no sin to become sin. Jesus became your sin and my sin on the cross. The sin that we've committed and the sin that we will commit. God chose him who had no sin to become sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. That's the great switch. That's the great substitution. Jesus is my sin, and I am the righteousness of God. Wow. So if we go through that first step of sitting with the Holy Spirit and we ask for forgiveness... But if this sermon spoke to you in a powerful way, I suggest that maybe you call Mike or Dan or myself and and talk to us about what's going on in your life. A call for a prayer appointment. Uh, We're starting a, a small group of people like myself who struggle with addictive behavior. that we can love and support each other. As one of the songs I've heard before, you are not alone in your shame and suffering. So when we ignore our sin and pain, we live in sin and pain. However, our Savior Jesus wants us to face that sin and pain with Him so that we will be free of that bondage and live in his joy. And Dan Wolf owes me a meal. Amen.